Welcome to the Braveheart Podcast, and welcome to The Table. The Table is a series that we're in right now where we're focusing on the table of the Lord, and specifically two aspects of the table of the Lord, which are the proclamation and message, but also the practicals of how do we live out this message with each other as brothers and sisters and family in Christ. And this week's episode, Peter is in Toledo at a Power and Love event, and he talks about how the gospel takes our eyes off of us and puts them back upon Jesus and how this gives us boldness to live out this message. I hope you enjoy. Good morning. How's everybody? Well, it's good to be here. Um, I am from Dallas, but I have family in Cincinnati. Where's my Cincinnati family at? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Praise God. Well, um, I'm kind of shook right now by that testimony. Um, I don't know that we, that we really ate that testimony into our hearts. Come on now. Like that we really, the, the crippled five-year-old boy got up. Did that hit our hearts yet? Do you need coffee? to praise God. Can we just thank God? This is the same God. This is the same God who, huh. I don't know if you, if you need anything this weekend. I don't know if you're hungry. I told Todd, I said, Todd, I'm coming to pour out, but I'm also maybe the hungriest man in the room. We need God. We need God so badly in this hour. We need to be so filled with a consciousness of God. I'm telling you, church, if you're not hungry, my prayer this morning, there's no warm-up. We're not doing ankle deep, thigh deep. We're doing a cannonball into the middle of the river of God this morning. So we might as well. Days are evil. Time is short. Jesus is coming soon. That's not a threat. It's a promise. It's our blessed hope. It's amazing, and, and it's high time that we get intoxicated in the love of God so we can be sober about the Great Commission. Amen? All right, well, I'm going to share just a couple of quick testimonies with you, and then I'm going to open the word, and then we're going to hit the streets. Amen? I don't know. I'm not convinced, y'all. I'm not here to entertain you, praise God. I'm here to strengthen you in your inmost being, to, and to see you filled with the spirit of the living God, to see you awake and alive to him. We need it. We need it. Come on. Evangelism is miserable if you're conscious of yourself. I'm telling you, I got a testimony, friends. I, I don't have a testimony like Todd. I, was, I didn't do drugs. I didn't, you know, wasn't a, in a gang. You guys are like, we know. <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> um, but I was the most, I grew up in the church, but I was the most self-conscious fear of man introverted, shy, self-righteous, all the things. Um, I, I played soccer. That was my dream and my passion. And so um, I realized in soccer that if I, if I practiced hard, if I worked hard, I could eventually become really good at it. And so I subconsciously applied that to my Christian faith. And I wanted to know what are the things I need to do to become a really good Christian and so I learned that list and I got really good at that stuff and realized that I still had uh, lust and pornography addiction and fear of man and shame and, and guilt. And, and no matter how hard I tried, I, I could never work. And so I was desperate for God, but in a different way. Are you with me? 
And so in 2006, I went to a gathering kind of like this, and I had a power encounter with the Lord. I ended up on the carpet. Uh, I, was a, I was raised in the Bible church. I don't know if you know about the Bible church, but um, it's, it's, we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I was just a good old Bible church kid. And, um, and I met the living God that day. And, and I like to tell people that he pulled out my SIM card. And I didn't know how to fall out because I was a Bible church kid. I just crumpled to the ground like a, like a cheap suit. And I began to vibrate under the power of God. And I began to laugh as this woman came and cast out a, a spirit of lust and pornography out of me. And I'm sitting there laying there with no paradigm of, I remember thinking, shaking, I could feel it was like someone plugged me into one of these wall sockets and I could feel the currency of electricity go through me. And, and it was amazing. And she's like, you spirit of lust, come out. And, and I hadn't told her anything. And I'm like laying there, I'm like, do I have a demon? You know, <laughs> you will not manifest, you know? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and God changed me that day. He changed me that day. I, I became uh, born of God. Delivered of my sins. Forgiven, set free, made whole. And by the grace of God, by his goodness, by his beauty, by his power, by the divine nature, I've walked in purity. I've walked in righteousness. I have a wonderful wife and five children. <laughs> Just tell you that for the sake, I, everywhere I go, I look younger than I am, and so people are like, how old is this guy? I'm 39 on Sunday, praise God, just to save you time and energy. I get to the end of sermons, sometimes people are like, I just couldn't hear. The whole time I was wondering, how old is this man? So I just tell people right out front, God is good. And he delivered me, and, and it was amazing. Um, God began to show me his kingdom. He began to reveal his kingdom to me, but I... And so I began to pray for the sick. I remember right when that happened, I had that power encounter. I moved to Finland. I was pursuing a career in professional soccer, and, and I was learning to hear the voice of God for the first time. I was just, my mind was being radically renewed to the fact that I could actually see God move through my life. I had no idea. No one ever taught me. No one ever equipped me. No one ever, it wasn't even a thought in my mind that I could see something like this happen. And so I remember being in Finland, I was, I was playing for a, a, a professional team over there, and so I had hours upon hours to just spend time with God and then to go out to the streets and just pray for people, pray for the sick. And um, it was awesome, but if you've ever been to Finland, um, people in Finland, they're a little bit introverted. And you go on the streets and they're just very introverted and we don't speak the same language. And so I remember having the most awkward encounters again and again and again and again on the streets. And I remember I said, Lord, this is frustrating because I keep hearing these testimonies, but I keep having these awkward encounters of people saying, you know, no thanks. You know, Jesus loves you. No thanks. <laughs> like, no, but he does, you know. And uh, I'll never forget, I was coming home from one of, my, one of my soccer games, and the Lord spoke to me about, um, I had this vision. It was just in my mind's eye. I saw a man with camo pants in a, in a hurt ankle. And he said, I want you to go find this guy. And so I got home at like 10 o'clock that night to my apartment, and I just went wandering the streets looking for this man. And I just was like, you know, I'm like studying. It was like dark. And so I'm like, does he have a boot on, you know? And I'm just like a stalker in the spirit, you know, just looking for this one. I was... <laughs> Oh, man. 
And um, I never saw the guy. And so the next morning I go, having my quiet time, the Lord says, hey, go to your favorite lunch spot. And I go to my favorite lunch spot, and I'm eating this pizza, and in, in walks the guy that I see in my vision. And you got to understand, I had never prayed. I was like the girl in the video. I had never actually seen. I had seen other people pray and seen it happen, but I had never seen it happen. And so I had had the power encounter, but I was still like, I still felt like, ah, can God really do it through me? Are you with me? <clears throat> and, um, and so I was so scared at the time. I was like, I'm going to let them finish eating their food until they come out. And so I just stood outside the restaurant for like 45 minutes. <laughs> Todd's like, that's not okay. <laughs> and, and they came out and I said, hey, I said, I know this is going to sound really crazy. I said, but I saw a picture of you <laughs> in prayer yesterday. And I said, I want to pray for your foot that God would heal your foot. And the guy said, no, I'm okay. Just like that. I said, oh man, here we go again. And so now I'm like persistent. You know, I'm like, no, 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 listen, dude, I saw a picture. God showed me he wants to heal you. And so he's like, okay. No, he doesn't say, okay. He goes, no, no, I'm okay. And then the girl, his girlfriend finally says, fine, you can try. That was the language. Fine, you can try. And so I'm like, okay. I didn't know. No one had taught me how to pray the prayer. And so I knelt down. I had a prayer language. And I was like, I'm going to hit it with some tongues. Because <clears throat> that felt heavenly, you know. So I was like, shakarabata, be healed. And I was like, test it out. And the guy's like, he rolls his eyes, puts his foot down, and his eyes get like saucers, and he drops the F-bomb in finish. And I was like, I think that's a good sign. <clears throat> and I'm at this moment, I'm like, this is the first miracle I've ever seen in my life. And I'm, I'm thinking we're in Acts chapter 3, and the entire village is about to get saved. No, I'm... Oh. This guy, he stands down, and he's like, oh, my goodness. And I go, it's Jesus. And there's people around, and I was like, do you see this? And everyone's like, no, see what? You know? And I'm like, he's walking with no crutches. You know? And it was awesome. And, and from that day, I began to just have new eyes that God actually loves people. Come on. Listen, when you hear a miracle, when you hear a miracle, ask yourself this question, who did it and why? If you don't ask yourself that question, you'll, you'll distance your heart from the reality that God actually really, 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 really loves people, and he loves to take away the effects of sin upon mankind. Oh, about four of you believe that. That's fine. All right, open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Just get in the Word of God. <clears throat> I'll share one, one more quick testimony. Um, so I never thought I would be doing this. Um, you would say by my personality that uh, if, if I didn't have God, I would be shy and introverted and whatever, what have you. And uh, I was working, um, after my soccer career, I was working in downtown Dallas at a law firm. And um, I would ride the dart train into the law office. And so uh, I had prayed for the sick on the streets here and there, but I was on the dart train in my suit, in my tennis shoes, and I hear the voice of the Lord speak to me, and he says, open your mouth, speak, and tell these people that I love them. And I was like, that's not God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not that guy. That's not me. Got the wrong guy. <clears throat> Long story short, uh, I hear this message on, on, uh, 
on how to hear the voice of God. And this prophet from Scotland, he taught us, he said, oh, hearing the voice of God's very easy. It's always the first voice that you hear. He says, the second voice is your own questioning whether or not you heard the voice of God. And the third voice you hear is the devil trying to convince you that you're right. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. God actually wants me to speak on this train. This was a Saturday. So come Monday morning, I'm like, you guys got to understand, I don't do this. Like, I'm, I'm the, not God, you got the wrong guy. So I'm, I get in the shower, I said, God, give me a verse. Give me something to stand. I'm a Bible church kid. Give me something, you know, throw me a bone here. And I'm like, give me scripture that allows me to stand up on a train and declare the love of God. And I know there's a lot, but at the time I didn't have many. And I hear whispered in my heart, Proverbs 28.1. Had no idea what it said. Proverbs 28.1. So I, I get out of the shower, get ready for work. I open my Bible, Proverbs 28.1. The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And the father asked me a simple question. He said, son, when you're standing on that train, who's chasing you? He goes, why would you run from people who are not chasing you? Who's chasing you? He says, that's what wicked people do. They run when no one chases them. They get afraid when no one chases them. When you go out to the streets into the restaurant and to the Target, who's chasing you? Why would you run? He says, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. He said, if you understand this principle, you stand before me, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right. You're right before me. Because of that, you can stand before men as a lion. What does that mean? Does it mean that you're overly aggressive and da da, da? No. It means that you're bold with who you know. Where are you at? I'm, I'm going to give you a hug. I'm going to preach right to you. You just, yeah, stand right there. Oh, I'll give you a hug. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Listen, and so I'm, I, want you to, I want you to hear this because, because I think some of you think you may see Todd and you may whatever, and I love this, but I, I wasn't like Todd. Like, I wasn't like, I'm not like him. They're like, we know. <laughs> But the same God lives in us. And there are things that transcend personality and what you look like, and it's called boldness. Boldness is not connected to your personality. It's connected to hearing the voice of God and knowing the gospel and knowing and being connected to God. Being connected to God will make you bold before men. It will make you bold and strong before men. And so I'm but I want you to see how this works because it's really important. <clears throat> I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm reading that verse and I'm like, oh man, how many of you know when God asks you to do something and you know you know, but you're still scared? Okay, so I want to be real with you. I'm getting on, the train pulls up and my palms are sweating already. I don't feel like a lion. I don't feel righteous but I have this little tiny proverb that was whispered in my ear. I want you to understand the supernatural power of the word of God. Oh, I don't know that we understand the power, the latent power in the word of God, that if you take a step of faith upon the word of God, there's an explosion of power called grace that actually causes the thing to become real. 
So I'm standing there and I'm, and I'm trembling and I get up on this train and I'm like, and now the people are there in the train and everyone on the dark train, I don't know if you have public transportation in Toledo. Huh? Tarda, yeah, praise God. But no one, everyone's on their phones, in their books, heads down. And so I'm like, all right, this is my moment. <clears throat> I feel not like a lion. I feel like a leaf shaking in the wind. But I'm going to grab onto this pole so I don't fall down. And I'm going to open my mouth upon the word of God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try a little baby toddler step of faith upon Proverbs 28.1. And I said, I opened my mouth. I said, excuse me. And everyone looks up. And I said, I want to tell you that God loves you. And it, and it didn't come out like that. It was a lot more shaky. But it was real. I said, I want to tell you that God loves you. And as soon as I said God loves you, about 98% of the train, they were like, oh, no, we're with this guy. And they put their heads down. And for the next 30 seconds, I just began to declare, and I just said, he loves you. He's not mad at you. He wants a relationship with you, and all you have to do is call upon his name. And I began to just, 30 seconds, and listen to this. I was so, I didn't know what to do, and then I was standing there, and I was like, now what? There was no altar call. I'd never preached in a church. It was the first time I ever preached was on a train. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I was like, I'm going to get off at the next stop. And so I just got off. And I was like, I got to get back on the train the next thing and keep going. And, um, and I'll never forget, this woman comes out. She followed me out of the train, and she says, she says, I don't know about anyone in there. She's like, but I needed to hear that this morning. And you say, wow, that's amazing what God did in that woman. No, it was amazing what he did in my heart. Because, because about six months later, God would have me on this journey, and he was breaking the fear of man off of me. It's what he was doing. You cannot be a servant of God and still be a slave to the fear of man. You cannot. You cannot. That's what Paul said. He goes, if I was, if I was serving man or if I was, I could not be a servant of God. And so God knew he had a calling. There was a calling upon my life to preach the gospel, to minister to the bride of Christ, to see her grow up into maturity. And he knew that if I was afraid of what you thought of me, I could never stand here. Ever. And so he was delivering me, and six months later, just six months later of just taking little baby steps of faith in this reality, I remember we were planting a, a church in Dallas called The Upper Room, and, um, and this, this person came up to me and said, hey, I just want you to know, the Lord, the Lord says you're a lion of God. They're like, I just see, you're just like bold like a lion. And they knew none of my story, none of my testimony, and I remember it was a sign to me. I thought, wow. Little baby steps of faith out upon the word of God produce in time a maturity, a strength, a reality that I can't, it was just a little step of obedience. And so I hope that encourages you. All right. You guys ready for the word? So the session here was at 9 a.m. And uh, I like to find myself in the word of God. And so here we are in Acts chapter 2. Um, you may know the story. Uh, this is Pentecost, which we're about to celebrate at the end of next month. And um, praise God. Yeah, let it come. Um, so Acts chapter 2, this is verse 14. And I'm just going to read a little bit because I believe in the public reading of Scripture. 
Acts 2, 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. The third hour of the day was 9 a.m. This session started at 9 a.m. My name is Peter. And there were about 500 in the upper room. I'm not a prophet, but I think God wants to do this. I'm going to tell you why. When Moses came onto the scene to bring deliverance and salvation to Egypt, what was his first miracle? Water to... No, Moses didn't turn any water to wine. What have you guys been drinking? (laughs) You guys are eager. The first sign to Pharaoh was he turned water into blood. So he strikes the water, and I believe God, through Moses, was serving notice to the enemy, judgment's coming. This was an announcement to the devil. You've made a mistake enslaving my people. Here my man is Moses, and he's coming with salvation. It was an announcement. It was a pronouncement of judgment against Egypt, against sin, against disease, against sickness, against darkness, against despair, against the fall of man. Fast forward to John chapter 2. Jesus is invited to a wedding. At the wedding, his mom tugs him on the coat and says, hey, son, they're out of wine. He's like, woman, if I ever called my mom woman, I would be in big trouble. Woman, it's not my hour. And she's like, oh, never mind you. She looks at the servants. She says, whatever he says to do, do it. And there's these six giant jars used for cleansing, filled with water. You guys know the story? Do you know the story? Okay. And Jesus, the very first miracle... The very first miracle, anyone think that the law of first is significant biblically? The very first miracle revealing his glory, he turns water into, turns it into what? After the people had already had what? What was he doing? I believe he was serving notice to the enemy. In the same way that Moses served notice to Pharaoh, pronouncing judgment, Jesus comes onto the scene 
And like Moses, turning water into wine, he's making an announcement that the reign of the enemy is over, the, the, the ceremonial cleansing process is over. There is going to be a work that is so powerful, that is so sufficient in his blood, in his death. Once completed, the new liquid, the new substance of the new covenant is wine, not for cleansing, but for enjoyment. Enjoyment. Everyone say enjoyment. enjoyment. Do you know God is to be enjoyed? Do you know the greatest evangelism tool I could ever give you is to enjoy God? I'm so serious. If you do not enjoy God, if you don't love him, if you don't know how to drink from the river of his delight, you will be, it will be exhausting sharing your faith. Have you ever seen someone on a summer day, you're not even hungry, and they grab a nice ice cold peach, and they start eating that peach, and it's like dripping, and you're like, I wasn't even hungry for a peach. But seeing how much you're enjoying that thing, it makes me want one. Come on. Are you with me? You see them eating, they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, it's so good. And you're like, where did you get that? Come on. This, this, is, this is a secret and a key to reaching the lost. There has to be honey on your lips and in your heart and upon your countenance. You have to enjoy God. And, and if you say, oh, come on, bro. Come on, come on, really? Yes, really. I'm gonna show you this. The very first church service in Acts chapter two, when God moved, they, God moved in such a way that he changed their inside state that onlookers supposed they had been drinking wine. I don't know that y'all believe that. The first church service ever, the most sober generation about the Great Commission, the most holy, righteous, effective generation was fresh off the printing press of heaven on Pentecost. And in this group of 500 people, they appeared intoxicated. I, I'm gonna, you guys are looking at me. I want you to see it in here because I don't know that you're believing me. All of a sudden, the spirit begins to move. They're praising God. They're, this is not a quiet ceremony. It was such a noise that 3,000 people began to gather at the sound of this people enjoying being filled with the spirit of God. You, you have to give yourself permission to make a sound when the precious blood of Jesus hits your heart and you remember, I've been forgiven of my sins, washed in his blood, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm in a new covenant with the living God. I can call the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob my dad. What? What? No, listen, I'm not going to preach something new until we drink what we already know. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Someone, does it, do you guys know what this is? What's, what substance is in this? This is water, right? Tell me about it. You, sir. Tell me about this substance. Healthiest drink there is, two-part hydrogen, one oxygen. Tell me more. Mm. Are you thirsty? I'm not. I'm hydrated. This is the gospel to many people. This is the gospel. This is what you know. 
Do you know it doesn't matter what you know until you do this in the kingdom? It doesn't matter how much you can quote all you want until you do this with the truth of Scripture. Mm. I'm getting so hydrated. I think it was just dust, y'all. Relax. I want to give you permission and possibly retrain your mind in how you approach the truth of God's word. You have to drink it. This is not something that we compile knowledge in our head, but realities that we want to touch our hearts that alter the way that we look, the way that we act, the way that we enter into the world. You have permission to enjoy God. If in his presence is fullness of joy and we're not walking in joy, something's amiss. Joy looks like something. I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about a deep connection with the reality and a remembrance of the fact that the Bible says, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose lawless deeds are remembered no more. I don't know about you, but I'm happy about that. No, I'm serious. Like, Give yourself permission to remember that. I, I, I still feel like we're, we're waiting for, to hear something new, to be amazed, instead of to drink the glorious new wine of the covenant that will intoxicate us and make us conscious of God and conscious of the fact that he loves and wants to minister that same forgiveness and healing to a lost and dying world. It matters. God doesn't want you to share your faith at the expense of drinking from it. Come on, we're not doing God any favors today. Oh, come on, guys. He wants you to be glad. He wants you to be filled with joy. I remember I was having, I was, we had a men's retreat one time, and we were all at this restaurant, and these, we were just enjoying God and enjoying each other. And this waitress, these waitresses came up, and they, they literally said out of their mouth, as they're watching us interact with each other, they said, what are you guys? That was the question. And it just opened, and you say, well, what, what happened? What did you do? Well, we just, we began to just, what we were doing with each other, we did with her. We began to open our hearts and go, man, we're just seeking God, and we're doing this, and it just opened the can, and it was so normal. Do you know why? Because a river called God was flowing out of our bellies, out of our countenances. I love this stage. I feel like I could do like Pilates and it's so big. So I want us to begin to just to, to go back to this Acts chapter two. Peter, he stands and he's addressing 3,000 people that had gathered at the sound of people encountering the love of God. There's a sound that comes out of people when they encounter the love of God. There's a sound. There's a sound. It's laughter, it's praise, it's joy, it's tongues. People get so offended at tongues. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that, that that's all that happens when God fills this temple. You're gonna, that's the only, I'm gonna speak in a, in a new language. How do we not blow up? <laughs> Start levitating, shining like light bulb. I mean, come on. 
let's use our heart. Let's, God comes and fills. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that your body is made of 60% water? What if he turned your water into wine? Y'all would be in the fetal position in about 30 seconds. Uh Come on. Does he not turn water into wine for enjoyment? Some of you need him to turn your water into wine. You're so worried about cleansing and cleansing and cleansing, and he's like, cleansing comes through enjoyment because my blood cleansed you, and so now you can drink of the wine. Okay. Go to Acts chapter 10. We're going to keep going here. I was praying for you guys. Um, We're going to pray at the end of this whole thing, just that God would just anoint you with power and fill with the Holy Spirit, all of that. Um, but it's, I think it's important and I know it's Todd's heart. It's our heart that, that, that you kind of understand this dynamic of our deepest desire for this weekend is to be catalytic for you, for your faith, um, that, that you would not only be transformed by these 48 hours, but that you would be set on a path of transformation. Uh, Growing up into Christ likeness is the most amazing, incredible, worthwhile journey of the Christian faith. It is, it is the goal to grow up and to mature into his likeness. When we are immature in our faith, we are self-conscious above all else. I would say one of the primary signs of spiritual immaturity, if you were gonna just by the spirit, not navel gaze, not get into self-condemnation, but to assess where am I at in my faith? Not, not how old am I, but where am I at in my faith? It's how self-conscious am I? The more self-conscious you are and conscious of others is a revelation of spiritual immaturity. The more conscious you are of yourself and others, meaning the the, the dominating force of what you're living and responding to is is you and me and where am I at? This This was the effect of the fall of man before man went and wilded it out and did a bunch of crazy things, the very first effect was ate the tree, eyes opened, saw that they were naked, and man has been obsessed with himself ever since. He's been obsessed with himself. And the beauty of the gospel is it, is it, is it subdues that power and breaks that power of self-consciousness. And just like in Luke 24 when Jesus, their, their eyes were kept, listen, They saw, this is crazy to me, Genesis 3, you can write this down, we may look at it later. Genesis 3, their eyes were opened, Eve saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and she eats it. And then the Bible says, then their eyes were opened. Well, how can you see and then your eyes opened? So, So some part of her eyes were closed and some part of her eyes were opened. And I believe what, what took place was her, her, before the fall, her eyes, the only thing she could see was God and what was around her. She, she could just see God. She didn't know she was naked. She didn't really know she was naked because the Bible says her eyes were open and then they knew they were naked. So when she ate of the tree, she saw 
herself. Adam saw himself and began to hide himself from God. See, we think God hid himself from man. That's not what happened. Man hid himself from the presence of the Lord in the garden. Man withdrew. Man pulled back. Man said, I'm unworthy of his love. Man began to judge himself unworthy of his love. And when man judges himself unworthy of the love of God, he begins to judge one another unworthy of the love of God, and he begins to sit on the seat of judgment with the knowledge of good and evil, declaring, well, you're good and you're bad, and he has no idea what he's doing. And all of a sudden, in that place, hiding from the presence of God, the enemy begins to fashion himself in selfishness and depravity and and murder and lying. And and then you begin to see all of the nasty fruits at the root of a self-conscious life. But the beauty of the gospel is this, is that it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's an unveiling of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 1. It, it, the Spirit of God begins to unveil Jesus to people. And you guys know in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, these guys are walking, and the Bible says that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They were with the resurrected Jesus. He was never going to die again. Here he is walking with these guys, resurrected. This is bananas, and they can't see him. They can't recognize him with their eyes. And I don't know about you. I love this story, but if I were Jesus, I would have just been like, ta-da, hey, guys, it's me. (laughs) But Jesus is awesome, and he's humble. And you know what he does on the seven-mile walk? He does a Bible study. He does a Bible study. He opened the scriptures. And all throughout the scriptures, he began to reveal himself to them. Do you know why? Because if he had just said, ta-da, it's me, their encounter would have stayed with them. But he says, no, 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 I want you to know that who's walking with you right now, you can encounter him through this. This is a portal into an encounter with Jesus. The early church called this the book of experiences. Did you know that? They read this, and they expected to meet with God. So then they're at the table. Jesus blessed the bread. He broke it, and he gives it to them. He gives it to them, and the Bible says, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus. And they began to say, did not our hearts? Whoa, 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 whoa. They're talking. They're hitting each other. Whoa, bro. My heart, I couldn't see with my eyes, but my heart was burning. My insides were testifying. Something inside of me was trembling. I couldn't see, but something inside of me was saying, I'm in the presence of the divine, but he's blind. He couldn't see until he took the bread. The bread who represented the beating, who represented the body, represented him taking on corruption, him taking on sin, him taking what Adam and Eve took in the garden, it says he gave them bread. They didn't take the bread, he gave them bread. He gave them the revelation of his broken body and all of a sudden, in the revelation of Christ, as Christ was unveiled to them through the bread, guess what happened? The Spirit of God put salve on their eyes and they could see God again. They could see God again and you know what the result of seeing God? It's a burning, intoxicated heart. It's a burning heart. It's a burning heart. I love God with everything inside of me. I love him the best I know how. I love him. I really do. I love God. I don't do this 
because I need a paycheck. I do it because I love God and he called me to. I, and, I, and I love his bride. I love the church. I actually believe that the church, the body of Christ, is the hope of the world. I believe that. There's not another plan for salvation than Jesus Christ, the head, and his body manifesting his will on the earth. There's not another plan. There's no way around it. And I understand, and I'm going to go here because I feel him inviting me here, and so I know you don't know me that well, but hopefully you can know me by the Spirit. I understand there are a lot of things happening in the world right now that are troublesome. Chaos and, 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 and agendas and sexual immorality and perversion. Come on, are you with me? It's running rampant. Political chaos, and we're like, we're, I, I can feel the collective trepidation of the church of like, oh, we've got another election cycle coming, and we're like, what's going to happen? And, and I want to just confess this. That I'm going to remind us of what we believe. Is that okay? We believe that sin is in the world, and at the root of all of that mess that you see is sin. So you're oversimplifying it. No, I'm biblifying it. It's sin. You can't point to any of that nastiness and say there's another root. So can we, can we just pause for a minute and get unified in what we believe and how does the church, how was the church intended to respond to sin? Well, first and foremost, we believe that God, no matter what sin someone is entangled with, we believe that, that through a revelation of Christ, the preaching and the teaching and the demonstration of the Spirit's power, we believe that God can actually take sinners, wash them in his blood, cause them to be born again, and that they can be made brand new. Do we, oh, okay, 62 of you believe that with me. That's what we believe. We believe that Saul can become Paul. We believe that the most ravaging, murderous man who's, who's wreaking havoc on the church, it was his agenda. And we put some, let's put some modern language. Paul had an agenda, an antichrist agenda. Oh, have you heard about this guy? And Ananias is just there, and he's just, and God's like, hey, you know that guy that has the antichrist agenda murdering folks? Yeah, I want you to go pray for him. What? What'd you say? <laughs> Yeah, the guy that's killing Christians, go pray for him. That's a bad idea, Lord. We're fighting him. No, you're not. You're going to be a tool, an instrument in my hands. He's encountered me. You're going to want him on your team, I promise. Come on, church. This is what we believe. Jesus Christ, the great high priest, he can be gentle with the ignorant and the wayward because he himself was beset with weakness. Are we not a royal to emulate our priest? We can be gentle with the ignorant and the wayward. Do you know, I, I, the last three years, I'm amazed. You know what I'm amazed at? People are amazed that the world is being the world. I can't tell you how many conversations. I'm serious. You'll have, can you believe what they're doing? You, actually, yeah, I can. You know what I can't believe? I can't believe Christians are still amazed at sin. That's what I can't believe. Can we start talking about that? 
Seriously, can we talk about that? I'm not condemning, shaming anyone. If that's been you, man, there is an invitation this morning to not be impressed with sin. I'm impressed with the gospel. I'm impressed with the power of God. I'm impressed with the fact that God left heaven, came to earth, was crucified on a tree, buried on the third day, resurrected. He's not crucified anymore. He's alive. He lives to make intercession. And we have the gospel. And something happens, church, when you begin to confess the truth of the gospel, the love of God, and it's simple. It's simple, but man, I, I feel like in this hour, God wants us to drink and to eat of that which we know. It doesn't matter what we know unless we're eating and drinking of it, because when you eat and drink of the new covenant and the gospel, something happens. You get transformed on the inside. You really do, and that transformation, it's, it's called the word being made flesh. Do you know the greatest message you'll ever preach is this? This is it. How people experience you is the message that you preach. I actually believe I've been born of God. And I like it. I really like it. I wake up and, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, listen, I'm like everyone else. I can be tempted. I get to run with guys. I've known Todd for over a decade and guys like Lou Engel and David Hogan. And, and, and it's, it's very easy to compare yourself with other men and women of God and to go, whoa, what do I? And, and I realize that, that comparison is not helpful and it doesn't produce life. It doesn't produce fruit. And so I realized that God in me coming out looks different than God in other people. Man, when, I, when you first meet these people and their strong callings, like I remember when I first heard Lou preach and I was like, oh no, I've got to fast. I've got to, I've, I have to now become the fasting John the Baptist man on the earth. <laughs> and I did, I did. I went, on a, I went on a long fast. Lou came to me in a dream and called me to a 40-day fast. And I was like, no. <laughs> but there was grace and it was awesome. I do fast. I, liked, I, I don't like to fast, but I do fast. But I realized I'm not called to be Lou. I'm called to be Peter. I'm not called to be Todd. I can't be Todd. I'll never be Todd. I'll never be, I'll never be Lou. I'll never be David Hogan. But I can be me. And I like being me. And I like that God's in me. And I realized that the more that I can, I can, I can break away of comparison, well, I should, and, I, da, da, and, I, and just get connected to the truth. What is the truth? God loves people, and he's capable of loving people through me. And for me, it looks different, man. I remember I walked into a Starbucks. I've shared this story. And I was in my flesh, and I was feeling pressure to share the gospel. I was feeling pressure. I was like, oh, how many of you are like, I know I should, but I don't want to. I, I, I don't know how to be different than I am. Is that, can I just be real with y'all? My dad raised me to be authentic. He's like, just be authentic. Don't be fake. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. So what you get here, you, my friends and people will test, this is how I am. You have me coffee with me, I'm the same way. I'm intense and I'm, you know, whatever. I'm sitting there in the Starbucks parking lot and I just feel this nudge from the Lord. Like, and I'm like, I know I should be doing, I, I should walk in there and have this encounter with someone. And I was like, I just was in my flesh, to be honest. And I was like, I just need coffee. Come on. And I pause for just a minute, though, because I have, an, I have a new covenant. And God's my father. We have a covenant of love, and I can be real with him. 
And I don't have to pretend like I'm ready to do something that I'm not ready to do because I have covenant and I can just be me. And my strength isn't me, my strength is him. See, if you're bound in self-consciousness, that becomes your end reality and all of a sudden you're stuck and well, I should do it and what, and now it's all about you. Well, I should do it, but I don't feel like doing it. And, and then you're saying I and your prayers all have to do with you and you've not invited God into the scenario. So here I am, I'm in my flesh, I want coffee, and I'm, and I'm like, ah. And I said, God, I said, I gotta just say it. <laughs> you know when you're married after a while, you just say things that you wish you would have said like early on, but you don't have the courage to say it early on. But when you get married, I've been married 15 years, and you just start saying things. You're like, you know what? I don't like it when you do that. And you have a history together that it's like, it's okay. You know, but you can't say it early on because it's kind of tenuous, even though you have covenant. Well, it's like that with God. I, there's certain times where I'm like, you just rise up and you're like, I'm like, God, I don't love anyone in there. There, I said it. I don't know them. I don't know them. I don't know who they are. I don't feel anything for them. I don't love them. There, I said it. And he's like an awesome father. He's so awesome. Oh, he's incredible. So I said it like I'm, and then I'm like, you, you just expect condemnation. You're like, ah, I'm probably just in my flesh. And, and I'm like, ah, I'm such an idiot, whatever. I'm like, I, I don't love him. There it is. I can't be used by God. And he's just looking at me. How many of you know when you pray, God just looks at you, his countenance. <laughs> and he's looking at me and he's like, and he's smiling at me. I see, I'm in my mind, in my heart, I'm praying and I'm like, and I look up and he's like, and I'm like, what? I'm like, what? He's like, I love you. I'm like, okay. And he's like, and I was like, and he goes, and I love them too. And I'm looking at him and, he, and he's, and all of a sudden he, I see him looking into a Starbucks with people that I don't know, but I know that he knows. And I'm seeing him smile at these folks in the Starbucks. And it was just a perspective. It was, a, it was the grace of God in a moment. And I share this story because it, it was a real teaching lesson for me. And he's smiling. God is, how many of you know the countenance? May the, may, may, you know, we've prayed that prayer, that ironic blessing. May his face shine upon you. Do you know that's a smile? <laughs> that's a smile. His face shining is a smile. And so I'm like, all right, let's do this. I'm like, Lord, I don't love him, but you do. Let's roll. And so I'm smiling now. I'm just like, oh, this is nice. And I'm only smiling because I'm looking at him, look at them. I'm not smiling because I feel super anointed and I'm a super Christian. I'm smiling because God's awesome and he loves people that I don't know. And I'm his son and so I'm just like, I walk in and I got this goofy grin on my face and, the, and I'm not even thinking, I'm just still looking at him smiling and, this, and the barista lady or the cashier lady, she's walking and she turns around and she looks at me and she takes a half step back and she goes, whoa. She goes, you got some good vibes coming off of you. And now I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. This is so easy. You're insane, God. And I said, do you know what that is? And I mean, just didn't, miss, do you know what that is? And she's like, ah, uh, you're having a good day? I said, no, God loves you. Amen. He loves you. And she starts tearing up just in that moment. And she goes, I should have known that. <laughs> and she starts encountering the love of God. How? How did that happen? How did you go from your flesh to her having a power encounter through your smile? It was the consciousness of God. Yeah. 
What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Who are you looking at? And I'm telling you, when you look at him, when you look at him, if you've forgotten today that God is deeply, deeply serious about his love for people and his love for you, and I felt in my heart to remind you, no matter where you're at today, God wants to remind you of his love for you. And I want to read, I want to read just this quick scripture. We have so much time. I love power and love because I have time. I looked up, there's 17 minutes. We're going to pray here in a minute. I have Rafi. Is that, a, are we allowed to, am I allowed to do a little bit of prayer? No, no, no. Okay. We're going to save it all. We're going to get you so hungry for prayer. <laughs> all right. Then are y'all good? All right. I'm gonna, we're going to look at this then. This is going to help you. Acts chapter 10. I keep preaching through Peter. Praise God. Uh, look at verse 9. You used to hear all the Bibles turning. Now you just hear phones scrolling. Look at this. Acts 10.9. This is profound. Um, this guy Cornelius has an encounter with an angel. He's a Gentile. And at the time... Jews viewed Gentiles as unclean. They were the category of people that, I don't know, I don't want to put any words in your mind, but, but anyone that you would categorize as super unclean that you would never want to have dinner with, that's how unclean they were. Are you with me? I think sometimes we read these things of like unclean, and we're like, oh, that was just like a little barrier. No, it was a massive stumbling block to be seen with these people and so this guy, Cornelius, actually feared God, didn't, wasn't a Jew, and he's worshiping God, has this angelic encounter, and he says, hey, go get, go get Peter. He's like, okay. And so Peter, uh, in verse 9, this is where we pick up, and it says, the next day, they were, uh, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour, that is noon, uh, to pray. And I love this. Because it makes me just connect to the apostle. And it says, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Come on. Read your Bible. There's certain things that when you open your heart and mind, you can be encouraged by. How many of you have gone to pray and you're like, oh, just want to slam some double stuffed Oreos right now. <laughs> Here's the apostle raising people from the dead. He's going to pray and he's like, I'm hungry. And we know he said something because the Bible says, but while they were preparing it. <laughs> so he goes into a secret place on the rooftop to pray. He's getting hungry and he's like, mm, I'm hungry. Hold on, Lord. Hey, guys, can y'all make me a sandwich? Make me some beans. And while they're preparing it, he fell into a trance and he saw the heavens opened, something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners. And it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds. And there came a voice. Watch this. This is awesome. I love God. Rise, Peter. Kill and even God's vision was to his hunger. He's like, I know you're hungry. So I'm going to give you a vision connected to your hunger. I'm going to speak to you a revelation that's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles through something very 
normal, which is you're hungry. Come on, don't over-spiritualize this. He's, he falls into a trance, and he has this incredible encounter, and God tells him, I want you to get up, kill one of those things, and eat it. And he's confronting, he's simultaneously speaking to him through his hunger, and he's confronting a mindset that the Jews had that needed to be broken down for the gospel to spread to the four corners of the earth. You have to see this is so significant. And this, this plays into what we're about to do. And, but Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So these animals that he was seeing were unclean, ceremonial, unclean animals. And he's looking at them and he's going, you're telling me to do something that's contrary to the law of God to do. You guys see this? And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. What God has made clean, don't you use your lips and call it common. Don't you take your lips and dirty something that God has made clean. Don't call uncommon what God has called clean. How did God make Gentiles clean? Through the blood. So when Jesus hung on a cross and he shed his blood, he was shedding his blood for all the sins of mankind. He was cleansing mankind of sin. Does this mean every mankind is born again? Absolutely not. This means that the payment is done. There's not more of Jesus' blood to be shed. When people get born again today, because they will, they are going to get born again because of the blood that was already shed 2,000 years ago. And the Spirit of God, through your countenance, through your words, is going to unveil to them the gospel. And that blood that was shed 2,000 years ago is going to touch their hearts by divine revelation. And they are going to be go from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God and the kingdom of his beloved Son. This is going to happen today. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Come on. And I believe this is so magnificent. And before we, we, we go out and share this, though, I, I feel led to do this. You need to know that you're clean. You are not common. You are not unclean. I need to remind you we need to get on the same page. Before we go out, before we hit the streets, this has to be a, a, a uniform rallying, locking arms cry that if you are born of, God, born of God in this place, you're clean. You're clean. And the cleanness of the blood is the only prerequisite for the movement of the Spirit. Oh, we got to go there. And I got 10 minutes to do it. It's only by the power of the Spirit that we can demonstrate and manifest the love of God. Okay? It's not human love. It's God's divine love. You're like, what, what hit that girl in the Starbucks? It was divine love. How? How did it happen? Because of the cleanness of my conscience, 
watch this. I'm giving you guys pearls here. Because of the cleanness of my conscience, even though I was, I was wrong. Some of you are like, well, being in your flesh is wrong. Yes, you're right. But I have a new covenant. So even if I'm in, if I'm in my flesh, there's a way out because I'm in my flesh, but I'm also in the spirit because I have covenant. So I was able by the covenant that I have with Christ, I had enough consciousness of God to say, you know what? I don't feel equipped. I don't feel qualified. But I had the awareness to call upon God and go, but God, what do you say? What do you think? What do you feel? And I didn't just, it wasn't some idea of God. It was the actual face of God. And his face has power. And so I saw him, and, and that, that revelation by the Spirit of his smiling face, it actually put a substance on my face called the love of God. I'm, I want you to see this almost scientifically. So I'm sitting there, and my face is now smeared and oiled with the love of God so that when she turns around, she has to take a half step back because there's vibes because that's her language. What vibes are you talking about? She's talking about the love of God that was conveyed to her heart by the Holy Spirit through my face. Same will happen with healing the sick. Oh, he is so willing. Please, he's willing. Like, what's the will of God to heal? Maybe we'll go there. Oh, I want to go there so bad. Can we just know that the stripes on his back are enough? People say, well, God allowed. I'm okay with you saying God allowed this and God allowed that. He also allowed the stripes on the back of his son. We need to be sure. Just it's, it's our eyes on him. When you look at what didn't happen... I'm contending for a friend right now. She just gave birth. She's, she's fighting for her life. Her name's Laura. You can pray for her with me. Um, she's fighting for her life right now. She's a dear friend. She's young. She's my age. They've got like three or four beautiful kids. And she just gave birth to one and, and had complications, sepsis, had to have an emergency hysterectomy. So I'm not, I'm not popping off here having, having not faced real life. Are you with me? I, I choose to keep my eyes on the stripes of Jesus Christ because that is where his love and his power flows. He, he determined in his will 2,000 years ago to heal the sick. It, the, the, he's, the decision's made. Like today, God's not having to choose, do I want to, do I not want to? Yes, he does want to. It's, it's now just a matter of being a willing vessel, simple obedience, Simple obedience, be healed. Lord, heal them. What are you looking at when you're praying for them? Are you looking at how crippled they are, how sick they are, or the testimony of why it's been 20 or 30 years? No, 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 you're not looking at that. You're hearing that, listening with compassion, listening with love, but you're looking and you're putting one hand. The picture I have is I put one hand in his back and I feel the, the flaps on his back. I do that in the spirit just to just to, to jostle my heart awake that I'm not, just, I'm not just some jar of clay, but that there's a treasure in there called the love of God. 
And when I touch his back in the spirit, it gives me faith that when I lay my other hand upon them, that something's going to happen because the revealed will of God, some of you are going to be healed right now because you're just going to settle in your heart. Wow, the stripes, I had no idea. That is the revelation of the cross. It's his will to heal and to deliver and to save. But we need the Holy Spirit. And there's this weird idea in the church that the flow and the power and the movement of the Spirit is something that we have to earn, something that you attain to. That's not true. The power of the Holy Spirit is given by God as a gift. We have to get after this. We have to kill this thing. It's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's called the promise of the Father. You don't, you don't attain your way to some power. It's a gift to be received by faith. The only attainment is you getting out of your way enough. If there's any process, it's just the process of getting over yourself and receiving something so powerful and magnificent. You say, I don't know, Peter, about that. What we just read, Acts chapter 2, the disciples were only born again for 50 days. He gave them the full enchilada power package at the beginning of their Christian journey so that they could actually run well. He, they didn't get to the end and old and gray and God's like, and now I will anoint you with power to prove to everybody that you've lived faithfully all these years. What? He clothes you with power at the beginning so you can run well as a good son or a daughter, Matthew 10. And he gave them authority. He gave them authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. And then in case we were confused about what he gave them, he says, freely you received, freely give. What is the, what is the prerequisite? Well, then how do I qualify to receive that gift? The blood. It's the cleanness of the blood. If you are judging yourself unworthy of the love of God, you're resisting the blood of Christ. You're saying you want to attain some sanctification by your own strength and you want to do it by your own. In that case, Galatians 4, you are severed from Christ. You've made the grace of God of no effect in your life. It is the grace of God based on the blood of Jesus. And so the invitation this morning, and I'm gonna invite Hershey up here in just a minute. I'm gonna pray for you guys just as a closing prayer. I am gonna pray, but it's not gonna be anointed in long. I mean, it'll be anointed, but not long. I wanna pray that the cleanness, the cleanness of the blood fills your conscience this morning. That you would just feel that like, that, that, that cleansing flow and that a confidence would rise up inside of you this morning and you thought, man, you know what? Yeah, I may still have things and I may still be growing in this and I'm gonna be equipped and I'm gonna learn to step out and I may feel some kind of way, but the reality is I'm right before God and I'm clean before him and because of my cleanness, because of the blood, I know that the Holy Spirit can flow through me. I know he can flow through me. I know he can move through me. I know he can empower my words and my walk and my talk and my, my $20 and my whatever the case is. He can take my little thing and the Holy Spirit can just go. And all of a sudden there's this response because you just stepped out in faith and you're clean and God can flow through you. Can you stand to your feet? Thank you for letting me pour my heart out. Just put your hand on your heart.
Father, we, we just are so grateful to be your kids this morning. Thank you for reminding us all of this wonderful thing that we have with you called the new covenant that is in the blood of your son, Jesus. Jesus, you are just perfect, and you're magnificent, and you're beautiful in all your ways, Lord. And we confess, Lord, right now across this room, we confess where we are, uh, where we've become so self-conscious and so self-aware and, and, and fallen into the, the trap of comparison. Lord, we repent of that this morning. Just take, a, just take a minute, if that's you, and just repent. Just just cast it off and say, Lord, I don't want that. I don't want to live in comparison, and I don't want to live in self-consciousness. Just with your lips. doesn't worry about what people think to your right and left. Just tell him. We don't want that, Lord. Yeah, come on, open your mouth, church. Tell him with your lips. Just... It's okay to repent out loud. It's one of the ways you even just remind yourself that it doesn't matter what your neighbor thinks. Stand before God. We don't want to compare, Lord. And Lord, we, we take this moment and, we, and by the Spirit, we put our attention on the blood of Christ and upon your word that says, do not call common what God has made clean. And Lord, by faith right now, we just enter into that reality that we are clean by your blood. And I want you, I want you there's power in confession. I want you to just begin to thank God for, for making you clean. Say, God, thank you that I'm clean. I want you to say it out loud. You have to say it out loud. You believe it in your heart, that's good, but confess it with your mouth. Lord, thank you that I'm clean. Thank you that you've forgiven my sins. Thank you that you forgave this and that and Come on, just put it on your lips. Make it personal. God, thank you that I'm clean. Thank you there is no hindrance right now from me being anointed by God, filled with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask that you would take all of these beautiful vessels of honor and you would take that 60% of water inside of them. Hmm. And you would turn it into the wine of your spirit, the wine of your love, and that the greatest reality right now would be the love of God. Fill their hearts and their minds with the love of God right now, Lord. I just pray, baptize them in your love. Come on, just picture Jesus himself dunking you in a river called the love of God. Picture it. I just see him, he's taking you and he's just dunking you in the river and it's so, he's doing it. He's baptizing you in his love. Come on, let him do it. Let him put a smile upon your face. Come on, just stay there until he, until he makes your heart glad. Just for another minute or two, just till he makes your heart glad, till you can smile back at him, till you see his smile. Come on, you're a good son, you're a good daughter. You're a good son. You're a good daughter, says the Lord. Come on, your sin's not that big. Your weakness isn't that big. It's not bigger than him. Come on. Come on, don't let it keep your eyes. Some of you, you're so used to looking at yourself. Oh, could God love me? Yes, he loves you. 
Lord, right now, just baptize them in your love.